In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, what is the mark of the beast mentioned in Revelation chapter 13? It is like branding your cattle, like who's with me. You're forbidden from receiving it because when you do, essentially you have pledged allegiance and this mark, it becomes a seal of your allegiance to this other kingdom. You can become an official Patreon supporter of my work here at Strange Planet Productions by donating a monthly amount through patreon.com forward slash strange planet, patreon.com forward slash strange planet. There are several tiers to choose from. Pick which one is right for you, but any monthly amount is greatly appreciated. As a sign of my appreciation, you can have your name mentioned on air during my weekly radio show, or you could have your name included in a crawl on my YouTube channel live stream. You could also receive episodes of my old podcast, The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. This critically acclaimed podcast, produced in partnership with Chris Jericho, is not currently available anywhere else. If you enjoy this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, you can really get behind me and my work by donating once a month at patreon.com forward slash strange planet patreon.com forward slash strange planet conspiracy unlimited with richard serrett pursuing the truth wherever it leads exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. The Mark of the Beast mentioned in Revelation chapter 13 verses 16 through 18 has been the subject of much speculation for the last 2,000 years. The second beast causes all people to be marked on their right hand or forehead. If they do not have the mark of the beast, they cannot buy or sell. 
It's one of the most tantalizing aspects in the New Testament. Ali Siadatan is here to put the mark into its proper context. Ali is the founder of Think Again Productions in Canada, a multimedia teaching ministry shedding light on mysteries and treasures of scriptural knowledge, which is making the Bible more real than ever. Ali has found evidence keeps agreeing with the Bible's tale from biblical cities peering through the sand to alien abductions and prophetic events. His groundbreaking documentary, UFOs, Angels, and Gods, can be viewed for free at thinkagainproductions.com. Hey, Ali, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you, my friend? Fine, thank you, Richard. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. When we talk about the mark of the beast, we tend to focus on the mark. What is it? What bit of technology might it be? Is it an... Is it a barcode? Is it a vaccine? Is it something else? But we lose sight of the bigger question, and that is, what is the beast? Um, I think that um, there are uh, a few empires, it seems seven in particular, that are singled out in Bible prophecy as a whole. And the beast empire uh, of the book of Revelation that administers the mark is the final of these seven empires. Um, sometimes people count them from Egypt because they all have to essentially to do with Israel. Uh, and and you know, they, uh, Israel is in contention with these empires. And because history is so vast and there are so many nations, God has simplified the story by focusing on following a character through, through history, and that's Israel. So some people see Egypt as the first one. Um, from there we have Assyria, uh, Babylon, uh, you know, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome. And the one that is emerging out of the final empire, and the beast in particular seems to me uh, to be a code word for Nephilim, actually. Okay, so the Nephilim kingdoms, have they all been Nephilim kingdoms? I think they've all had a clear Nephilim uh, influence in the leadership. Uh, there's a lot of writing that I think supports that from what these nations have, ha the way they have connected their royal families into the gods. You know, we have often seen those as mythology, like, oh, you know, Alexander the Great was the son of Zeus, uh, or, you know, um, Zeus kidnaps the princess of Thrace, Europa, and has a child with her uh, in the island of Crete, uh, and we have the king of Mitos. Or when you look at a lot of the uh, tales left uh, behind by Irish, Irish people and other Europeans concerning civilizations that existed in Europe thousands of years, you know, before even um, uh, the Celts and, and, and the Germans uh, got to it, and we think of all of this as being the mythological past of the human race, but perhaps not. Perhaps these are insights into the angelic history, the fallen angelic history, that laid a foundation um, uh, at the very beginnings of, of lands that were then populated by, by the Adamic race as we flowed from the cradle of civilization from Mesopotamia, from modern-day Iraq, you know, westward. The Adamic race, guys, what do you mean by the Adamic race? The descendants of Adam and Eve. Right. You know, as they kind of poured into the world and went westward, we, know, we, we, we suddenly have these cultures that talk about, 
these connections. For instance, you have um, one of the uh, four uh, main tribes um, that that make up what is Greece, and and they talk about this line of uh, Nephilim kings uh, that was among them, or the descendants of Hercules, you know, who who were powerful beings, and who Hercules himself was was a Nephilim, a descendant of Zeus. And, and you know, it is hard to tell exactly what is myth and what is history but there is enough there and we also see it in the in the writings of hinduism and other places there's enough there for us to say ah there seems to have been you know a rulership at the basis of the ancient kingdoms that tied into this commingling of seeds and biblical prophecy also points very clearly to the fact that such a kingdom will be in power at the final stage uh, of history. Uh, that's recorded uh, in the writings of Prophet Daniel, where he goes through the sequence of world empires from his own time, uh, which was Babylon, to the end of the age, uh, where you know God sends uh, his son to establish a kingdom on the earth. And then he says that at the end of the age, they will mingle their seeds, with the seed of man, but it shall not adhere. And um, the plural pronoun is used for they. It's like saying the he's. So something, you know, pronoun, plural, uh, and masculine mingles its seed with the seed of man. So there's two different, you know, seeds being here mixed, uh, something else with man. And then it says that it is, in the very next verse, it says it is in the time of these kings... Uh, the the ones that are born of this commingling, uh, that God will establish His kingdom on the earth, and and these kings, they are represented in the metaphor of this, uh, you know, the, this communique, uh, with ten toes, because there's a statue represented in the dream, and the statue has different sections, each representing a different empire from the time of. Uh, Babylon from the time of Daniel to the final uh, end of the age where we are now and then there are ten toes uh, holding the statue up and these are ten kings and there are other passages that talk about them but what's interesting about this passage is it reveals this piece of information to us that these ten kings are born of the mingling of seeds which is again a code word in the Bible uh, uh, that points to Genesis chapter 6, verse 4, wherein the sons of God and the daughters of men, uh, you know, cohabited together and created uh, the, the giants of old. Uh, in this case, it says commingling of seeds because uh, what we're seeing in the modern day manifestation of this continued, you know, interaction between fallen angels and men is that today these children are born in laboratories. Uh, to look very much human, so it really is very precise, the language. It is pointing to what we're documenting in our time, which is really a commingling of seeds. Uh, so, so I think that Visa, that prophecy, Vis-a-vis the, the alien abduction. Uh, um, well, that's how the secular world, world will, will name it, because, you know, we think of ourselves as being in the universe, uh, um, and there's aliens flying around, as opposed to being in the heavens, um, and on the earth, the way the Bible frames reality for us, and these are the hosts of the heavens, and we the hosts of the earth, and the Bible tells us that one-third of the hosts of the heavens, the sons of God they're called, have, you know, uh, pledged allegiance to a different king uh, than, than God, and 
following him into the human world, this is one of the things they have done. And so they have commingled themselves with mankind and created a line of offsprings. Some have been dealt with at the flood. Others have continued to exist throughout the ages. And as we follow the breadcrumbs of this continued interaction, all the stories of old take us into the dynasty of kings. And so, yes, I think that at the basis, you know, there is in a way, a, you know, people talk about a shadow government or a, a power behind the human world that was hard to see. Well, I think that much of this power is born of the bloodline of this mingling. And I think the word beast is a code word that says, look, this is coming from all of that. That's why it's a beast. Right. And so in this context, we're seeing the history of mankind, the history of the world is this angelic battle, the fallen angels versus God's messengers and angels. Yeah. The story of the Bible, in short, is, is how God comes to rescue the human race from the hands of these fallen angels and of their offsprings who have rulership, how there's a process of deliverance um, that, you know, the, begins with Abraham, climaxes with the coming of Christ, and uh, continues in, in this final age of history where all the nations have been free from the polytheistic pantheons that were, in fact, uh, the worship of these beings. And finally, the Lord comes to really end it, and, and, and remove this uh, from the earth and rescue the, the human race. Um, is, this is kind of the central story of the Bible, the, the rescue of humanity from the grips of this connection. And yes, God has his angels doing his work for him and his son and his spirit. And yes, these guys have formed empires um, and given you know, uh, rule and knowledge to nations. And yes, they have introduced their own offsprings into the line of man, and often these guys end up at the top of the food chain. So in Revelation, it talks about the final worldly empire in which the dragon will pass the power down to him. What does that refer to? What does that mean? Well, if you look at the temptations of Jesus Christ, there are three temptations, and one of the temptations, uh, it says that, you know, uh, Satan took the Lord um, in a high mountain, in a high place, and showed him all the kingdoms of the earth. Uh, and let's 2,000 years ago, who was that? Well, there was the Roman Empire, which included the Greeks. Um, there was the Egyptians, uh, the Mesopotamians, like the ancient empire of Babylon and all that, the Persians, the Indians, the Chinese, and even perhaps the Mesoamericans here. So that's that's the world. He shows him all the kingdoms of the earth, the ones that we all know and have recorded in history. And then he says to the Lord that it has been given to him, that dominion over these kingdoms has been given to him by God, and that he can give it to whomever he wishes. And so there's, that's there's a lot of information there. One, it tells us that these kingdoms were under his dominions. That's why he's called the prince of this world in the New Testament. Two, that he can get to choose who runs it. And, and, and that's what we see in all of these kingdoms, always authorities attributed to the gods who handed down to the emperor. In fact, that's why the early Christians were killed by the Romans in that period of prosecution, because they felt that these citizens 
who were denying the gods, the spiritual forces behind the emperor, were weakening the emperor and his empire. They were being uh, sacrilegious towards these beings, and it was better to purify the empire by destroying them uh, and stopping the spread of this monotheism. Uh, this was actually was a spiritual battle, you know, the persecution of these uh, be, uh, Christians, and, and it tied into this whole principle uh, that we see, you know, uh, the Gospels opening up in, in the temptations of Christ and, and revealing it to us. And so he says, look, they've all been given to me. I can pass them down to whomever I will, and I will give them to you if you worship me. What he's saying is, I know that God has given Israel to you, but I'll give you the rest if we can make a bargain with each other, that, you know what, you, you cross the line of allegiance. You, you no longer answer to the Father, you answer to me. And I can give you both. You can have what you've got, and I can give you what I have. And, and the Lord says to him, no, it is written, worship God only. Worship God alone. Only worship God. I'm sorry. And Satan behind me. He kind of pushes him back, by, by reminding him of who is the true and only object of worship and from whom all power and authority comes and, and renews his allegiance to God and declares it, no, I'm sorry. And that's when I think Satan goes into plan B, which is let me kill him so then I can put my own guy on the throne of the world. And so this is an attempt that has been the first time we see this attempt uh, after the flood. Well, we see it before the flood where they create a kingdom that is destroyed by the flood, a very massive kingdom. Um, after the flood, it's with the character of Nimrod that we see the emergence of this idea of the gods and a world leader. In a way, Nimrod is the first um, archetype the, of this final world leader um, after the flood, and he gathers the people against God, and I think that's... Uh, it leads into the story of the Tower of Babel and this idea of creating something from earth that can reach into the heavens. I mean, that's what Babylon, where the tower was located, means. Bab means gate. Aloni means gods. Babyloni means the gate of the gods. So it was some sort of a gateway, and these guys were creating something that could reach from the earth into the heavens. And so when God comes and shuts it down... I think that's the first post-flood attempt of this world empire. Everyone speaks the same language, so what does God do? He, he separates the languages from each other. Um, and now, once again, I mean, there's been attempts, again, you know, as I said, there's seven seem to be mentioned. There's the Egyptian empire, uh, the Assyrian one, the Babylonian one, uh, the Medo-Persian one, the Greek one, the Roman one, and and this one emanates out of the Roman one, this last one, and we see that the West continues to be uh, the most powerful uh, you know, place of the world. The West has the greatest technology, the greatest economy, the greatest military, the greatest science, the greatest knowledge, uh, the greatest influence, and so it is from, again, this, this Western you know, world, um, and, and believe it or not, I put Russia in the West, um, for me, the West goes from basically Moscow to D.C. From this, um, and they still have the sign of the eagle and all their flags, the eagle of Rome. It is from the eagles that I think he will arise, and it is an attempt to create yet another empire 
to bring humanity under a control and thwart the plans of God. And this mark must be understood in the context of the rise of this final empire that, yes, it has the dragon behind it because he's been given his power over and over again to various kings, and that's why they always worshipped him, worshipped Zeus, worshipped Jupiter, etc. And again, this guy is going to deflect worship to, 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 you know, uh, to his own master. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a context here. It's a movie we've already seen before, but this time, um, technologically, it's never been so sophisticated and we are told that this time God himself will enter the stage of history and, and end it. More of my conversation with Ali Siadatan when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. C60 Evo delivers the miracle molecule, ESS60. It's pure carbon 60. Why not love your body and share C60 Evo with those you love? ESS60 from C60 Evo is a mega antioxidant for increased strength, endurance, flexibility, and a deeper sleep. It's great for pets too. I take a tablespoon every day and so does the mighty Aphrodite. We're both sleeping better than we have in years. And during the day, we have such tremendous energy and vitality. We're both pain-free. In a landmark peer-reviewed animal study in Paris, France, rats fed ESS60 lived twice their normal lifespan. Go to c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen or click on the C60Evo link in the episode notes. Use the code EVRS at checkout and save 10%. ESS60 from C60Evo. Order your miracle in a bottle today. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again, I don't know what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Ali Siadatan is here and we're discussing the mark of the beast. What does it mean? What is the beast system? Let's talk a little bit about technology because that has been a common theme throughout history and that is these Nephilim kingdoms have through them, I suppose, through the Nephilim kings and so forth, have passed down to mankind 
technology, things yeah. like even even agriculture and different things, right. which seemed to spring forth out of almost out of nowhere. We had like the the Sumerian Empire, or not Sumerian, uh, yeah, 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 Sumerian civilization, right. where you know yeah. the rest of the world were just basically living in mud huts, and all of a sudden we had this Sumer with libraries and aqueducts and all of these amazing bits of technology. So that yeah. came that was passed down from through the Nephilim, through the fallen angels, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When uh, when you look at the uh, archaeologists who got to, to the south of Iraq, they started digging in the north of Iraq, and they found civilizations that were, you know, a few hundred years old, a few thousand years old. And finally, when they came to the south of Iraq, and they found the oldest of all the civilizations, which they dated to about 5,000 years old, they were surprised that it was the most advanced of all of them, and it was the fountainhead uh, the knowledge of the other uh, civilizations of Babylon and Assyria had actually come out of uh, these city centers in the south of Iraq that was called the Sumerian civilization. The Bible calls it the land of Shinar, and it says that it's there that Noah and his children eventually settled once the floodwaters subsided because it was a valley. And uh, they came down from the mountain heights slowly and, you know, walked back to, to where they used to live. And it's, uh, it was, wow, where did they get all this knowledge from? Where in their own tablets, they said, they recorded, that they got this knowledge from the quote-unquote gods. Now, secular archaeologists, uh, they didn't know what to do with this information. They're like, wow, this doesn't make sense. The beings revealed this information to them. So they simply... They said, no, this is just their myth. This is their, their story. And one particular guy, he was able to rewrite um, an explanation, which was farming led to people uh, getting together at night and talking about life rather than running after their food. And so in that kind of collective mind, they came up with mathematics and writing and architecture and temple building and all of that stuff. And, and that kind of became what is taught really in the universities. But the knowledge is way too advanced and also it dismisses the actual accounts that these guys who were so intelligent have left for us in their own words. And it dismisses the biblical uh, connections that are made through scripture, starting with the Garden of Eden that these beings, you know, even in the sort of Garden of Eden, Satan uh, gives commandments to, to Eve that alter her perspective. So these guys continue to have these very uh, important connections and deceive the nations. There's something deceptive always. Um, when you look at, for instance, the city of Lagash, just as one example, it was one of the Sumerian cities, and it had a king, Gudea. And Gudea said that one night he received a dream. And if you actually pull up the dream of Gudea in its original Sumerian text and read it, it really hits you. This is a this is a powerful dream. And then he goes to an interpreter of dreams who then says, "Well, you've been given the uh, you have been told to build a temple for one of these beings, and this has this is the schematics of the temple." And and he draws it like Gudea draws it, and we have a drawing of of the temple that Gudea drew drew and somehow the drawing was so sophisticated that the dimensions of the temple were there then we have the record of all the men that he enslaved and hired to build this thing 
the way that you know Moses receives schematics uh, of, of of a tent of meeting, or Solomon receives schematics to build a temple, or Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king who's mentioned in the Bible, receives a dream about the empires and, and their sequence. This is this is the same type of an event, but where is this knowledge coming from? Well, it's coming from the what we would call the occult. It's coming from the the fallen angels, from these polytheistic forces. And so all kinds of knowledge is poured into the human world uh, throughout these empires and civilizations. And the beginning of it, as far as we can tell, is in the age of history that preceded the Great Flood, where we read in the book of Enoch that seven angels gave seven bodies of knowledge to the human race, um, you know, pharmaceutica and the study of the stars, and metallurgy to create weapons, swords, breastplates, um, and, you know, this idea of the beautifying of women for the purpose of seduction and deception, not just, not just beautifying women, but, but for the purpose of evil. Um, and so this is the, the, these bodies of knowledge that have been poured into the human world, and for the past hundred years we see this massive, massive explosion of knowledge, and we see many other points of biblical prophecy converging, uh, such as a reemergence of, uh, uh, of alien abductions, as you said, uh, the creation of, 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 again, hybrids like in the days of Noah, the return of Israel to this land, which when you kind of look at all the prophecies of the Bible leading into the transition of this age into the next, uh, into the kingdom of the Messiah, they do all surround uh, Jerusalem, uh, events that, that involve Jerusalem and involve Israel as a nation. So um, people started to think, even before Israel became a nation, that somehow this was in the cards, that this was part of what needed to occur, uh, the way to you know, the kingdom of, of Christ uh, the, ran through Jerusalem, so to speak. And so uh, that's another important sign. And now um, w- this technology is taking a new turn with the acceleration into the digital world. Let me just uh, stop you there before we get into the, to, to the digital world. And let's just go back and, and, and talk about the mark, the mark of the beast, Revelation 13, uh, verses 16 through 18. And he causeth all, both great and small, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. So, yeah. um, what, is the, what is the purpose of the mark from the standpoint of the Nephilim? Why do they, or why does he, Satan, why does he feel it is important to impose this mark? What, it's, what, what is its purpose? And then we can figure out what it might be. Um, from, from where I stand now in, in history, as we go forward, you know, we'll have more clarity. From from what I from where I stand, I see two things. One is, it is like branding your cattle. You know, like who's with me? It, it it's very interesting to understand that one of the central points of the teachings of Jesus is the idea that the kingdom of God is at hand. And repent. This idea that He is bringing a new kingdom. You know that there are these beings. They're ruling the nations. Israel has uh, been already called out, you know, in Egypt through the Passover lamb and belongs to God. But God is now coming to free the human race by declaring 
a new kingdom and asking people to pledge allegiance. And I don't think this is uh, understood as, as well as it should be. There's a very famous passage in the Gospel of John. It says that you know, uh, whoever believes in, in uh, God loved the world, uh, and so he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever may believe in him may have eternal life and not perish. Well, the word believe, it comes from pistos. It's the Greek word pistos. It's pisteon in that passage. Pistos actually means allegiance. Whoever pledges allegiance to the king, the way that um, when you look at the early church, this was clear because part of the baptismal formula when you went and got baptized was that you pledged allegiance to the kingdom of the Lord and renounced the kingdom of Satan. This was part of the things you said in the formula. Uh, and we have church leaders that recorded this for us, like Tortillian. Um, and, and other New Testament passages uh, use words um, like Peter talks about, you know, appeal or conscience um, in his writings. But when you look into the Greek, it it is it, corresponding to, you know, the idea of the baptism saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus. And when you look at these words, like, what does it mean, good conscience, appeal? Well, um, appeal, in verse 21, is understood as a pledge, meaning that it has, like, you know, it's a pledge of allegiance. And the word conscience does not refer to the inner voice of right and wrong in, the, in this text. Rather, the word refers to the disposition of one's loyalties. Uh, like, who are you pledging allegiance to? And so the idea actually was that the death and resurrection of Jesus had opened wide the door for any human being to leave the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness, by simply pledging allegiance to the newborn king and to the fact that um, he's come to bring the kingdom of heaven and once you pledge that allegiance, the baptism was your pledge of allegiance. When you did the baptism, that was your pledge of allegiance. And as a result of this allegiance, you won the right to be resurrected in his kingdom. And because it was going to be an eternal kingdom and you would require an eternal body to live in it. And so there is going to, this is how it was understood. Uh, it wasn't just some story of personal salvation, the way our individual culture sees it. And the reason it was understood this way, because there were two contrasting kingdoms. So part of this mark, it says if you receive it, you know, you, you, it, it says you're forbidden from receiving it. And because when you do, essentially, you have pledged allegiance to the other kingdom. And this mark, it becomes a seal of your allegiance to this other kingdom. Right, let me, but let me so, just stop you there, yeah. because I'm imagining that when this mark is imposed there there may be some element of deception so how in other words is it the is it a barcode is it a vaccine is it some piece of wearable technology that will track our movements that will be legally binding so in other words if how do we know that that we've taken the mark and, and if there is this element of deception is that fair that we would be eternally condemned for taking it 
yeah, I see what you're saying. I think that, uh, like the conversation we're having right now, I think that God, through His Holy Spirit and through His angels, will send word and make it very clear that, you know, of all the things that have been imposed on us, this is the beast that He was talking about. We will, we will, we will be in a condition in our consciousness, in our history, where we will be able to recognize this with, with great clarity. And then once he declares this, whatever crisis awaits us in the future that prompts him, that gives him the right and the ability to come out and say, we need to do this, um, we will recognize that this is it. Um, I think it was which, which one of the churches, there's seven churches in the book of Revelation, I think it was the church of Sardis, uh, it was a center of emperor worship. And, you know, they would put a statue of the emperor in the middle of town to weed out the Christians. And if you refuse to come and stand in front of the statue and sacrifice to it and worship it as a god, uh, then, you know, you, you, you'd reveal that you're a Christian and, and you're, your head was cut off. Same thing with um, in the story of uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, which is another one of these types of, of, of the Antichrist. In the Old Testament, the, apparently the statue, his, uh, uh, his statue was carried into the various cities of Israel, and people had to sacrifice to it to pledge their allegiance. So I think it'll be something that's very clear, and we won't have any you know, uh, doubts about it. And yes, it will have a usefulness, obviously, and yes, it will have a context that makes rational sense why everyone should receive it. And yes, there's a build-up to it. As you were saying, we're suddenly being introduced to the idea of wearables, and, and the Internet is now going digital, and we have now Starlink you know, with, with Elon Musk and, 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 and uh, stuff that's, that's uh, being beamed into the Earth soon uh, that covers the whole planet, and it's at very high speed. We are just at the beginning of, of, of a huge leap forward, um, and so it all makes sense, you know, once we're there, but I think the Holy Spirit and the angels of God will reveal it to us um, that this is this is it. This is why God put this in the book. This is why He forewarned us, and He said, you know, this one, this particular one. This is not your typical AR glass. This is not your typical vaccine. This is not your typical thing. You won't be able. You should not, you know, take this. Um, and so we have a choice, and I think that it speaks into the heart of the story. Uh, because the Bible is always consistent in its messaging, that again, it's, it's again the tale of two kingdoms. So what's the purpose of it? I think one is marking people that are in that kingdom as opposed to the kingdom of God, because we are told in the book of Revelation, and I see it also in the book of Ezekiel, where the people of God are marked on their foreheads, it says, that God sends these angels out to mark his people. And in a way, I see the circumcision given to Abraham as a form of mark, like your cattle is being marked. But it's a, it's in the context of these this tale of two kingdoms, um, and you know one kingdom leads to resurrection, the other kingdom leads to death and defeat. Even though this will be at a time of its glory, where it'll seem like undefeatable, uh, but spiritually we're invited to understand it differently than the way it'll appear in the flesh, and so that's one of the purposes. The other purpose, I think, is control. I think that, um, you know, people are talking about digital money right now. And if the central bank, um, if you had a digital purse, then the central bank could just simply deposit money into your account in times of need. Um, and, and it's great. You know, you don't have to fill out, you don't have to go through all the processes that we are going through uh, with, you know, getting things and, 
you just it's much more simple you know it'll be quick it'll just easier isn't it wonderful to have that kind of but it's also um uh, there's also the possibility of extreme control when someone has that that close of an access to your purse and so um there is an intimate connection created with them through it i think the way that the holy spirit creates an intimate connection with us to the father in a way um uh, the beast becomes like the sun the the counterfeit sun the dragon becomes the counterfeit father and the mark becomes in a way the counterfeit holy spirit where a connection is created you're you're in total league you're in total allegiance and under total control and this becomes you know the dream that that <laughs> every generation it seems these guys have been trying to achieve this and finally more than ever the technology is there the right crisis is there um and and now it, people can be marked and controlled and brought under allegiance and and that's why i think god has gone ahead of us and said guys first of all understand that there's a much larger context here um i made you the first of you in my own image um and when things went wrong i came to rescue you because i loved you now he has given us free freedom of choice we have freedom of choice free will we can choose which kingdom we want to be in we've had that choice always especially since the resurrection and the command that Jesus gave to his Jewish disciples to go and make disciples of all nations and and now everyone in the world has heard that there's a new king around and we see that we see that he you know he ascends in this cloud and the book of Daniel gives us the, the picture in prophecy as to where he goes and it says that he goes to the throne room of the father and he receives the scepter of rule over all kindred tongues and nations in fact it says he receives it all over all of creation so there is a new king in town and all authority has been given to him and he has a throne among the human race which is the throne of of King David uh, because he's the son of King David and is the only legitimate throne that heaven recognizes on earth and he is about to return to rescue his beloved and to bring an age of peace and establish that kingdom on earth and humans have a choice as the king is being introduced to all the nations to whom they want to have this allegiance and the baptism is the is the pledge of allegiance so i think that god is saying there's a larger context i'm in power my angels are are are, are strong my spirit has been released into the word my um my words have been given to you and these guys are on the run they have been for the past 2000 years as their power has diminished and yes this is a final kind of gathering of these beings uh, a final attempt um to consolidate their power and rally the world against the second coming and god has gone ahead to warn us of that to warn us with these precise prophecies that matter it will matter when we're there and to tell us don't worry i know about all of this and when you see these things it's like i'm around you know it's like when your buddy calls and says hey i'm just uh, up your street there's a, i'm just at the intersection i'm about to turn right towards your house when you see these things then know that i'm I'm around the corner look up instead of being afraid and saying oh no, I got to take this mark because if I don't look I can't buy sell pay taxes oh what's going to happen in my life God is like don't worry 
this is the very end of this age of history. When you see these things, don't worry, I'm on my way. Be comforted. There's a larger context. This is who you guys are, and you have a destiny, and this is simply a warning shot so you don't freak out when you see this is happening. And by the way, if you're wondering, why is this happening? Well, there's a long story that goes to the Garden of Eden, and these guys have had a connection with you guys, but I have unhooked that connection through the atonement of Christ, and now I'm coming to finish the job and usher in a new age of history that's going to be a a time where you know natural predators live in harmony with each other so it's a it's a wonderful thing and we have to i think keep in the larger context in mind as we then heed the warning and we'll watch for this uh and wait for it and not take it of course all good news in the end ali think again productions.com what's going on at the website do you have any webinars happening oh well yes i just gave one Actually, on the book of Revelation, I just covered uh, a series of uh, Zoom uh, lectures on uh, the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, uh, which was really uh, wonderful. And in order to you know, participate in all the things that we do here, um, all you have to do is go to the website, thinkingproductions.com. There's a documentary there for free you can watch. And then sign up for the newsletter. Like this, you'll get all the information as we have these events. Um, I'm right now um, working on a novel that will be coming out soon, as well as I'm on my fourth writing of it, so it's really coming. Uh, I was just working on it before uh, the podcast. It was, uh, it, it's, it's really flowing nice. It's going to be a great story, so make sure you get your copy when it comes out. And um, there's a series of YouTube videos that are being filmed where I'm going to really open up these topics uh, for people so that uh, there's a deeper understanding of what's going on. So anyway, sign up for the newsletter, watch the documentary, and sign up for the YouTube channel, and then that'll be, that'll be great. And if you have any questions, you can always email me, and I'll be glad to respond uh, if time permits. Thinkagainproductions.com. Uh, there's a link in the episode notes. Ali, thank you so much. Always enlightening, always profound. Thank you so much, Richard, for having me. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a few moments to tell you a little bit about the next installment of Conspiracy Unlimited. Did you know you can now stream episodes of this podcast on your mobile device? All you need is my new Conspiracy Unlimited app. It's absolutely free, and it's available for both iOS and Android devices. If you're a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member, pay attention. You can now stream premium content from your mobile device. My free Conspiracy Unlimited app for iOS and Android. Available from the App Store and Google Play. Get yours today and start streaming Conspiracy Unlimited on your mobile device. Coming up next time, an Israeli archaeologist discusses the discovery of one of the most important artifacts mentioned in the Old Testament, Joshua's altar. It's sort of a piece of every Jew who reads the Bible and Christian. Once they get to this part, 
in Deuteronomy, and they read about the commandment by God to build this altar, it really hits you that this is something real. And it's, it's not just something made up, it's not just a story. You see it, the whole idea of doing an offering to God. This is a place where thousands, millions of these ancient Hebrews and Israel Jews, you know, connected to God. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs> <laughs>